good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Couldn't cut, any cut again. Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local, national, Native news and events. And as you know, Zoe, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is supported by MN50, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, MN350 sure is. And uh, we have, uh, you know, Zoe, I am so happy for the guests that we have today and so excited to talk to them. Um, it's the people from the University of Minnesota, and they did this great study in uh, under the Truth Project. And I want to go right away, because there's three of you guys, I want to go right away to Misty and talk about the project, and we're going to get rocking and rolling right away. Uh, being a former University of Minnesota student myself, i uh, really excited to hear what the Truth Project is and what it's done, and uh, I'm so grateful to have you all on. Hello, Wuju. My name is Misty Blue. Um, I'm a member of the White Earth Nation and have descendancy and family out at Lower Sioux Indian Community as well. Um, I was actually a project coordinator for the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council. So this was actually a project between, in partnership with Minnesota Indian Affairs Council and the University of Minnesota. Um, and we were, we took a look at tribal university relations, considering that uh, the University of Minnesota is a land grab university. We wanted to better understand um, the past, present and future of tribal university relations. Well, welcome. And uh, I wouldn't mind uh, introducing everybody else here and uh, what they had to do with that. And I appreciate you correcting me about uh Mayak and uh, and your big role in that, Misty. Uh, r- uh, really appreciate that. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I'll, I'll I'll go. I can introduce myself, Robert. Oh, right on, right on. Great okay. to see you. And 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 I just have to give a quick shout out. When I saw you, and I believe Anne at a an event that just blew my mind, and I said I got to get you on the radio show and. Uh, I'm so glad this has happened right now. Um, please introduce yourself, and uh, I'm really excited to hear. Well, Chimiguish Robert for having us. Um, well, Buju Anishinaabe Duke, Adriana Goodwin, Indigenous Cause, Washkubanesikwe Nindigo, Mayangan Nindudem, Miskwagami Wizagai Gunning Nindunjaba. Greetings, relatives. My colonized name is Adriana Goodwin. Um, I'm a citizen of the Red Lake Nation. And I roll, I, I wore a couple different hats for the project. Um, I, I first began as a research assistant, and then shortly thereafter, I was appointed um, the tribal research fellow by the Red Lake Nation. And then now, um, today, I've been very fortunate and honored to um, have worked very closely with Anne and Misty um, to get the report published and to get this good work and this truth-telling process um, out for the world to see. So, um, Chimi Gwich, for having us here again today. I appreciate it. And do you mind introducing yourself? Uh, Buju, uh, Anne Gerjola, Indigenous Azabagoni Zayagan, and Dunjaba. Hello, my name is Anne Gerjola. Um, I am a descendant of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. My mom is enrolled up at Net Lake. Um, On the Truth Project, I was uh, the university project coordinator and a research assistant. And currently I work in the Office of Native American Affairs as the project manager. Um, So looking forward to seeing through some of these recommendations at the university. Wow, perfect. Hey, we really appreciate it. Misty, uh, how did you come about uh, picking this team? And uh, how did that come about? Um, yeah, actually the team kind of picked me. So the university, uh, this work was sort of, um, started for two reasons. Uh, 
the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council issued a series of resolutions back in June of 2020, basically calling on the university to be better relatives with uh, tribes and tribal members and the, the Native community overall. Um, again, given that history as a land grab university, they wanted to just start with that. Uh, secondly, the uh, High Country News published a sort of an expose around land grab universities that same year. And so uh, the, the start of the project was through the direction of Tad Johnson and Tad, Tad uh, and Anne and others wrote a grant to the Mellon Foundation and, you know, were awarded, um, yeah, awarded a grant to, to start this project, uh, knowing that they wanted to do this, I think, in a way that centered uh, Native voices and was, you know, Native-led. They partnered with MIAC, Minnesota Indian Affairs Council. Um, the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council issued a a request for proposals and I, you know, having a background in public health research and having a background in grassroots organizing was really interested in doing this work. Um, I thought that this project, this uh, research project was happening, you know, in a good way where they were having, um, you know, that partnership inside of the university, but also outside and was being led by great people like Tad Johnson and Shannon Kijic. Um, yeah, so that was sort of where I started, and that's how we all got connected on this. Wow, I just want to ask. Uh, uh, I, 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 to me, this this is kind of like, you know, truth telling can also bring up trauma, and I'm wondering, you know, was that a was that were you worried about that, uh, Adriana? Um, so something that that I kind of like talk about is. Uh, we we know the stories we carry you know grief and, and intergenerational and secondary trauma and and all of this sadness from all of these different things that that took place um but then when we started to really dig into the research is when we realized just how traumatic and painful at times it was going to be to carry the weight of some of this research and, um, you know, there was times throughout the process while Anne and I were sitting at the university archives looking through these documents where we just had to quit, where we seen those connections from those certain eras in history, such as the relocation era and how those policies have negatively impacted our communities today. And so that was also a really central part of the project is the past, the present and the future and how, you know, we believe that we need to understand that past and that history to inform the present. Um, and so we can, you know, reimagine what we want the next seven generations to have. And so this truth telling process was very hard and um, at times to carry and to have to be in institutions that tried to eradicate our people and that took so much from our people. Um, um, so. Wow, and uh, what about you? Uh, did you have to smudge off uh, every night after working on this? Uh, how, how did that affect you and how was that affecting you during the, this research? Yeah, that's a good question. So our funding uh, came from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation through uh, the Minnesota Transform Racial Justice Project at the university. And we were really lucky to have them as our funders because we were able to go back to them time and time again and ask uh, for more resources. So one thing that we asked for was um, increased funding to cover the costs of both um, native uh, counseling, grief counseling services, as well as spiritual advisors who would come in and help us um, try to process some of these feelings um, that were coming up. Um, uh, these these experiences with secondary trauma aren't, uh, I don't believe were anything that any of us were expecting 
uh, but that we encountered very quickly into the start of the project. Wow, we're here at Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and we're talking to the truth tellers here, the project that uh, we uh, heard about the University of Minnesota and all the land grab. We'll be right back. Uh, when we get back, we're going to really d- dig deep in this. Uh, you're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hi, this is Chad from AM950. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, window, and insulation contractor in the metro. Ryan is so excited about working with AM950 and our listeners that he wants to help us grow. This is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. I was friends with Chad long before I started marketing with him. I was a bit skeptical of radio advertising before Chad convinced us to run ads. The advertising's been so successful, we want to help the station grow. We've absolutely loved working with the listeners of AM950, and we all know how extreme important this radio station is to the community. To help AM950 grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to follow, engage, share, and interact on the AM950 social media platforms. Together, we can all work to ensure AM950 continues to thrive and grow in our communities. We stand by our work with a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee. For a free estimate or more information on our financing, call 612-333-SNAP or check us out online. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This, the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Zoe, I, I know that you have some experience in this. Why don't you uh, grab a couple questions here with these wa- true warriors? Yeah, I mean, good, Robert. Um, so, yeah, I just put it in our, we have a little chat um, that we share with our guests so they, we can you know, talk a little bit. I was just talking about being a Mellon undergraduate at McAllister. And so I was really happy to hear that the Mellon family treated you guys so well, because I think it's so important. And often, you know, we don't always hear about foundations um, accommodating people as much, um, but it seems like that's happening more today. But but regardless of the point, um, I just wanted to ask a little more about the timeline of the project. Um, I know you already spoke a little bit about it, Misty, but um, just about when did this project start? How long was the research pro- process? And did you guys start writing the report? Um, I guess would be my first question. Sure, I can go ahead and um, give a little high overview. So I was hired in the summer of 2021. So that was sort of the, the completion of our core research team. Um, over the fall, uh, Anne, Todd, and I did meet with uh, 11 tribes um, in Minnesota, you know, it was still kind of kind of COVID. So we did some in some virtual, some on the phone and uh, some in person. 
we really wanted to meet with the tribes and just raise awareness around this issue of land grab universities and university tribal relations. Again, this is a new conversation. This, you know, that isn't necessarily a relationship that the university has really cultivated um, in its existence. So we wanted to just start opening up this conversation with people. And the best way to do that, I think, is just go down and visit and see um, how much people know about this and then and then we did have an ask as well. We said um, we're we want to go on this, you know, really challenging endeavor, but good endeavor. And we'd like you to uh, send someone to be part of our research team. We want to build a strong Native-led research team. And you know, thankfully, all tribes were able to have someone participate with us. Um, and. So in order to get the, we, we call this group the Tribal Research Fellows, in order to get the Tribal Research Fellows ready to, to go into the archives or do a project of their own choosing that may be different than archival research, uh, we had a training. We hosted that training in January of 2022. Um, and then we paired everyone with mentors from the University of Minnesota faculty. Um, and you know, we kind of sent people off and to do their research. The, and I, you know, we were there to support them as well. Um, that happened all through spring semester. You know, at that time, Adriana was named, uh, she, she can say more about this. She was named a tribal research fellow and a research assistant. And her and Anne, you know, spent some time in the archives, uh, deeply in the archives as well, conducting their own research. Um, there are a couple other arms of this too, but I'll let others speak about that. Uh, we culminated the Tribal Research Fellowship with a symposium that was hosted in May of 2022. We invited tribal leaders, you know, many were in attendance, um, either in person or virtual. And we invited leadership from the University of Minnesota. We thought, you know, we had some representation over some of the time. We, it was a full day symposium. Um, and then that's when you know, we, again, we wanted to open that, make that conversation happen, uh, start and be in, in a, I guess, in a private way. So we, you know, that was an invitation only event. Um, and then for the last, I guess, nine months, almost a year, it was the writing process. It was writing, it was editing, it was making sure that we were being transparent and sharing back what we have in our report back with tribes to get feedback. Um, and that's sort of what led us here today to the launch, to the relief of the report. Yeah, go ahead, Zoe. Well, okay. Well, you're in mute there. Uh, well, I'll, I'll jump in here, seeing that this is radio. We have over 200,000 people listening to us all over uh, Turtle Island here. And so um, I'm a little nervous, but uh, that's a daily thing for me. Adriana, uh Talk about your research. Let's get into the nuts and bolts here because, you know, I'm reading this and I'm going, all right, first of all, I'm a, a former University of Minnesota student. And second of all, I'm Native American, which, uh, and Ho-Chunk, when we talk about removal, Ho-Chunks were removed uh, in 1862 here. And we're one of the original treaty signers. But uh, this information that you guys, what was... What was the most surprising thing that you came up with in your research? So I guess I can I can start and there was like Misty had mentioned, there were so many different tentacles um, in different areas of research that took place um, that that made the, the broader truth report. Um, and so one area that I was really able to focus on um, was the permanent university fund. So I was a part of a capstone research project at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs. And when I was brought um, onto the project in the summer of 2021, um, Anne and Tad and others had already been fostering relationships with the University of Minnesota um, with different um, you know, organizations under that larger umbrella. And so they had fostered a relationship with the Center um, for Urban and Regional Affairs. And um, through that partnership, uh, one of the professors at the Humphrey School had picked up on it and decided to um, uh, create a capstone uh, research project around um, uh, 
a financial accounting or forensic accounting of the permanent university fund and the permanent university fund was created um, at the at the founding of the university um, to launder the sale of the lands the dispossessed lands that were violently taken from um, Ojibwe and Dakota people um, to be held in a permanent account uh, in perpetuity by the University of Minnesota. And so from 1880 to 2020, um, the university had accrued about $180 million uh, on iron ore royalties. And so that price is not including the sale of the iron um, and all of those other kind of costs associated with the sale of something. Uh, that number is not adjusted for inflation. And so that was a pretty astounding finding um, to be able to kind of see just how much wealth the University of Minnesota has created off of that initial taking of land. And so that $180 million that I'm talking about is coming from about 24,000 acres of land um, that the university currently um, still owns today. And um, so through that, again, we were just able to see just one little snippet into how much wealth has been amassed uh, throughout this time. And then and spent a lot of time on that uh, on the founding board of regents yeah i was just going to get with that and um that's an amazing uh can you tell us who these regents were and are they going to be familiar names to us all uh this is uh <laughs> the this land uh grab is an amazing thing that this uh, university my university has a history of here yeah so uh, my research initially began at the Minnesota Historical Society, and what I was trying to figure out was um, to see if we could find uh, the script receipt from the first parcel of land that the university sold to fund uh, their permanent university fund, because, um, I don't know, I just felt like that, that land should be honored in some way. Um, but when I started to see the names uh, that were signing off on the bonds uh, from the, the land that the university had acquired through uh, expropriation, it was men like Henry Sibley, Alexander Ramsey, Henry Rice, uh, men who we know were um, uh, the the creators behind a lot of anti-Indian policy back in the mid 1800s. Um, and so that sent me back to the university archives because I really wanted to see what their uh, daily business was like. And so it was astounding to see um, how much they had saved about their communications back and forth between each other and um, industry officials in like timber, mining, railroad. Um, and they really maximized their profits uh, by leveraging their conflicts of interest in policy and industry. Wow, those guys have had a lot of fingers and a lot of things in this state because I, I know there's research on uh, the removal of the Ho-Chunk and boy, they were in the uh, Knights of the Forest and this is just uh, really crazy and we've named so many things after them. Hey, we're talking about the Truth Project and we're truth-telling right here with some great uh, people here and we're going to be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. 
Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let let howl. Howl! Being a foster grandparent has definitely given me a purpose in life. Thank you, Grandma. To learn more about how to become a foster grandparent and help children in need, call 1-800-942-2677 or visit SeniorCorps at nationalservice.gov. Consumer Reports published their 2023 Best Vehicles Report, and Toyotas from Rudy Luther Toyota dominate the list again. The Corolla, the Corolla Hybrid, the Corolla Cross, and the Camry all top their Best Value New Cars categories. The Camry Hybrid, the Highlander Hybrid, the Corolla Hybrid, and RAV4 Prime all ranked as Best Green Choices. And my personal favorite, the Toyota Sienna, also ranked in the top of its class. Toyotas are not only gorgeous, they're best buys. Test drive one today by going to Rudy Luther Toyota, 5 miles west of Minneapolis on 394. Hey, it's Patrick for Zero Res. April is National Pet Month, and if you have furry, fluffy friends, you know they're not always careful about where they do their business. Plus, warmer weather is on the way, and that means they will be shedding that winter coat all over the carpets. But whether you're a pet owner or not, make sure to take advantage of Zero Res showering April savings on you before the May flowers and the May pet fluff showering on your carpets not far behind. Get three rooms zero resified from the Twin Cities number one carpet cleaner starting at just 129 bucks, and take 75 bucks off your air duct cleaning this month to take care of pet dander and last year's pollen and other irritants before this year's flowers bloom. That's three rooms of the best clean you can buy for 129 bucks and 75 bucks off your air duct cleaning. Call 952-0-RES or book your appointment at ZeroResMinnesota.com today. Backward or forward spells the same, ZeroRes. Cafe Latte offers made-from-scratch soups, salads, sandwiches, and mouth-watering desserts. So come check out their pizza and wine bar, or get a treat from the bakery made fresh daily. Plus, you can still do online ordering and takeout, along with gift cards. Just go to CafeLatte.com and choose from their ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soups. Cafe Latte is located off Victoria and Grand and online at CafeLatte.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Rain and storms expected tonight with a low of 38, then more rain and storms on Wednesday with a high of 49. Gotcha Mama's Hot Barbecue offers the huge taste of selections like baby back ribs and pulled pork sandwiches out of a little place. Gotcha Mama's is located just a block west of I-35W off of West Diamond Lake Road in South Minneapolis. Visit their website at scotchamamas.com. Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic, honoring health and tradition. Yes, they do. Wow, we have this exciting show uh, tonight, and we're talking about truth, and we like to talk about truth here on Native Ritz Radio and uh, the Truth Telling Project. And uh, it's a little overwhelming to hear, and we're already halfway through, and I don't know. Uh, it, it, I, I want to know, Anne, how this still affects us today with all this, this stuff that we have, all this gunk, all this, all this trauma and, and things and the things that you guys revealed in your report. Um, how does that affect us today? That's a great question. So I think one of the most important things that um, we've uh, drawn correlations between is existing research on um, how land dispossession impacts social determinants of welfare 
for uh, Indigenous peoples, such as um, uh, houselessness, education rates, um, uh, experiences with violence, um, our MMIR rates, our experiences with poverty. And so this is really, this was really personal to me. Um, one of the last times that I was in the archives, uh, Adriana came across a box of um, extension files. And for those who don't know, the extension is um, an office that goes out into the community and teaches on behalf of the university. And what we discovered in there was that the extension was involved in uh, relocation processes. And there was 36 families from Boys Fort who were relocated um, just in this one project. And the names weren't listed, uh, but the year was around the same time that my grandma was relocated. And so that really got me thinking about um, relocation and the trajectory that my family has been placed on um, personally uh, because the university, no university is, is created um, to pour into us in the way that it is other groups of people, right? It's very extractive from indigenous people. Um, we know that Western academia um, is really not only built off of the profit of indigenous lands, but also the commodification of indigenous knowledges. Um, and so, uh, you know, just just some insight into my background. I, my family um, struggled a lot with addiction and, and domestic violence when I was young. Um, and, and throughout some times of my teenage years, we were homeless. I ended up dropping out of high school um, and I didn't, start college until my own kids were um, in elementary school. And so just thinking about um, work by uh, Indigenous scholars like Randall Aki, who directly draw that correlation of these, these wellness measures that uh, we use so often in our daily lives. Um, and that really helped me um, along some of my healing journey from my childhood, um, because even though it was really difficult to uncover or unwrap, you know, that truth, um, it's kind of like a wound, right? If you leave it covered too much, you allow it to fester. And so opening up and exposing it to air, exposing it to light, uh, sharing that knowledge uh, really allows uh, for healing to begin. And I was able to see, um, you know, the, the, that, that the adults in my life when I was a kid were, were placed in those situations. It wasn't necessarily by their own choice. And so it allowed me, um, through the help of some of those uh, counseling services that we mentioned earlier, to really un uh, unpack some of that stuff that I uncovered in the archives, um, how it was related to my own community um, and to the institution that I was a student and that I'm employed at. Wow. Hey, Misty, can you talk uh, about maybe a little, uh, uh, speak on reconciliation possibilities and, and how, how we go about that and how deep that is? Sure. So we, um, during our process, we were, very intent on hearing from as many people and asking as many people who, you know, what the university should do about, or what, what, yes, what the university should do to repair the harm and repair the relationships. Um, and we got a lot of information and we um, were able to kind of summarize that in, in the different directives at the very end where we offer recommendations to the board of regents and to university leadership. Um, in terms of, uh, I wonder if Anne might say a little bit about the difference between reconciliation and recognition. You notice in our name, we use recognition and actually that uh, choice was made, you know, before I was uh, part of the team. So it'd be great to hear from you. Yeah, so early on um, in, in the project, uh, a task force of faculty members from American Indian Studies at the various campuses, uh, was put together uh, by President Joan Gable. And during the first meeting of that committee, um, 
the decision was made that this wasn't going to be just another reconciliation process, right? So often um, these, these uh, research projects go on um, as like a spectacle almost, and they depend upon the empathy of, of folks, non-Indigenous folks in places of power um, to decide whether they're going to, um, you know, act upon the, the whatever, um, you know, is, is said during those processes. And so we just wanted the university to recognize, you know, the truth and where it came from and how that continues to impact the lives of Indigenous people today inside and outside of the university. And we also understand that um, some harm is, um, not reconcilable, right? You can't reconcile something that was never there to begin with. And there was never a relationship between the university um, and tribal nations. Uh, so we really wanted to get to a point where we could just come to a place of shared history, um, of shared truths, and then um, begin to, to look at ways that we can heal and what policies and practices can be put into place at the university uh, to make it a little bit better place for Native folks. Yeah, um, I'm going to have Zoe uh, has a question. and I just wanted to say that my understanding was that it was kind of a lukewarm response to this uh, when this when the Truth Project came out. Is that is that true, Anne, or is that just... Uh, uh, reporting that I read. How do you feel about their, their response? Um, well, so to go back to the very beginning of the project, right, when Tad Johnson was first uh, hired on as the director of American Indian and Tribal Nations Relations, he was the first ever uh, Native American and senior leadership at the university in 170 years. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, now we have Karen Diver also. So there's been two, right? In 172 years, there's been two Native Americans in senior leadership. So without that representation, there has been, you know, nobody voicing that there's policies that are harming folks today. Um, and so uh, Tad really began uh, this project, and this was... Um, uh, a relationship that he built with the tribes, with uh, the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council, and um, wanted this to be a, a tribally-led, uh, community-based project uh, where Indigenous voices would be uplifted above those of the university for the first time ever. And uh, we tried to get funding from a few different uh, foundations, and we heard the same thing over and over again. If the university was really serious about change, why aren't they putting their resources behind this project? Wow. Uh, we think you're pre presenting a really great proposal. Uh, this sounds like a really great project. Uh, but if the university were putting in some, then maybe we could support you. And unfortunately, uh, every time we went to the university to ask for funding for the Truth Project, um, leadership at that time did not uh, deem this to be important enough to fund. Wow. Uh, your response, Adriana, Adriana um, do you have something to add? Yeah, I just wanted to take a moment um, to talk a little bit more about some of those um, things that are irreconcilable. So one of the um, tribal research reports done by Leech Lake, uh, Lori Harper, she talked about the impacts um, that the dams had on food systems and gathering wild rice. And um, the Army Corps of Engineers was conducting their research at the St. Anthony Falls Library. And so that's where the connection with the University of Minnesota comes in, is that they were um, helping to, to map where to place these dams. And um, now today, there are certain areas and certain places where we can't harvest monoman anymore. Um, and one of the other findings um, that we had found was that um, the United Nations has uh, different criteria that need to be met uh, to meet genocide. And throughout time and throughout the past seven generations, all of those different pieces of genocide 
are met and are documented in some way through the truth report. Um, I also wanted to uh, take a moment to talk a little bit about um, how this violence throughout time impacts us today. So today in the seven county metro, 64.9% um, of um, 211 families that were um, interviewed are a part of a longitudinal study are experiencing poverty. 46% of families are ex experiencing food insecurity. And so when we start to um, really get into the statistics and start to look at the impacts today, um, it's really sad. You know, sev almost 70% of Native American people that are living here in the metro experiencing poverty, that's a crisis. That's a human, yeah. right, human rights crisis. And the University of Minnesota is really at the center of that, of all that has been taken from our people and all that continues to be taken. And um, we know how sad it is um, here. And it's just astounding that um, you can walk three blocks in the metro area and go from, you know, million dollar buildings to um, houseless relatives. And again, I'm um, just wanting to emphasize, uh, you know, that this is a human rights crisis that we're experiencing. Wow. And I appreciate that because when we had the wall of forgotten natives, you could to look to your right and see a billion dollar football stadium that they play eight games at a year. Um, wow. Well, we uh, have to come back. We have to take a short break, but uh, very powerful stuff. And I am so grateful to have you three on. We'll be right back. We're talking about the Truth Project and the University of Minnesota specifically. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. A lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line light rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. The time is now. Contact your legislator and tell them to pass paid family and medical leave for Minnesota. Learn more at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by the Minnesota AFL-CIO. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Maybe you can do that one more time and have our guests join in. Ho wa. <laughs> All right. Maybe not. This is a serious show. To, this is a serious show today, Zoe. So Zoe, why don't you jump in and uh uh and uh wrangle us out here this last nine minutes? 
Yeah, so um, for our last segment, I just wanted to kind of ask you all about what comes next for this project um, and also what comes next for each of you individually because you all have your own careers and I'd really love to hear about um, what it is that you plan to do after this. Maybe we can start with uh, Misty, there you go. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so for this project specifically, we will be presenting at American Indian Day on the Hill um, on May 10th in Minnesota's capital, St. Paul. Um, we want to continue bringing attention to this issue and to our to the findings that we have. And I guess for me, at least, it's awaiting the response from the Board of Regents, from university leadership to see what they commit to, to, to doing um, about this issue. Uh, for me personally, I work as an evaluation project manager at Grassroots Solutions, um, which is a uh, strategy and evaluation firm headquartered here in Minneapolis, but it's nationwide and will continue to um, provide strategic directions to, to organizations that uh, want our support. And how about Adriana? And could you answer the same question, please? Yeah, I'll kind of do it in a roundabout way, I guess. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of want to tie it back now again to the beginning of the conversation when we were talking about that trauma piece. Um, what we also experienced throughout the project was a lot of hope. Um, hope that um, the institution can change. Hope that our people can heal from this trauma. Um, hope that we can continue to collaborate with one another. Hope that this research project and what we were able to accomplish can be recreated in other places. A hope that this can be a model for future research projects. And um, it also kind of came to me a couple weeks ago that, you know, throughout this, this process and throughout all of this, um, you know, we're reimagining what that next seven generations has to look forward to. And, um, you know, all of the work that we're doing today is healing the future generations. You know, this truth-telling process, it needs to happen, you know, through um, our, our, um, our discussions with our spiritual advisors um, and through um, some, you know, inspiration from Misty is that this research and this truth-telling process um, you know, the land wants these stories to be told and it wants this circle to close so a new circle um, can be formed. And I guess um, for me, um, you know, I've really been focusing on that dream part of it. I really do believe that this research and what we were able to accomplish is larger than the University of Minnesota. I do see um, some opportunity to change um, some of the policies both within the University of Minnesota and through the state of Minnesota. Um, I see opportunities as well at the federal level to provide funding um, to conduct this research. I, I see so many opportunities um, from this truth-telling process. And um, yeah, I just have I just have hope for our people and for our communities. And I know that for all of us and Misty and I, that, um, you know, we, we do this from our hearts and um, for that love that we have for our people and for our communities. And um, it just always feels a little different, feels more meaningful when, um, you know, our audience is our people. And when we're able to share space with our people, uh, we haven't been able to interview together, but, um, you know, we are stronger together. And when we're able to unify our voices, so much change and so much goodness can um, happen. And so, um, yeah, the truth, this is, this is just the beginning. Uh, this isn't a one and done. Uh, it needs to continue to be shared, continue to be told uh, throughout time. Uh, there's always more minds that um, can be educated on uh, this truth. So, miigwech. Wow, you know, these are the kind of shows that I get really emotional, and I and I mean that really seriously. Uh, we have three warriors here, and I'll count you too, Zoe. Uh, as a, a, a the women are leading the way as usual, and I uh, want to say I appreciate that. And go ahead. Yeah, Miigwech. 
Um, so for the project, um, our funding's been over for a while. Um, however, we're continuing to uh, share our research, share our findings, um, and really uh, what we've come to call this is a research movement. It's not just research, it's a movement to push for change at the university. Um, so I'll continue to do that. Um, right now I'm a PhD student in American studies and then also uh, working in Native American affairs. Uh, so they won't be rid of me for a while. So I'll be there to uh, harass them. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get sick of me. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I echo so much of what Adriana said. Uh, this has been a really emotional journey, uh, but it's also been an honor to be able to um, to work on this project with so many amazing folks um, and to have the support of all 11 tribes and uh, the tribal leaders has really, um, I guess, given us uh, um, motivation to keep going at times when, when the project could have just stalled out. So uh, we take that forward, uh, that energy forward, and keep pushing for uh, change with the momentum that we've built up. Wow. Misty, uh, we only got a couple minutes left here, but you must be super proud of this team um, and yourself. I am uh, just flabbergasted. I'm talking old. I'm a I'm a junior elder here. I'm talking old person talk here, but I am flabbergasted on on uh, the tenacity that uh, these young warriors have uh, that you've picked out, Misty. Uh, you must be super proud of this whole thing and project and these people. Yeah, it's been it was really uh, beautiful the way that we all came together, and I think that um, very proud that we were able to do this work, and it was a labor of love. Um, love for I think our people this land and I think it was lovely to be able to also do it together with the tribes and, and have so many voices centered and, and a part of this with us so um miigwech to my my uh my team members but also to for to you for having us wow and we really appreciate it and uh where can people find and read this report misty uh before we end the show, because I'm sure people really want to read it all over Turtle Island. Yeah, so it's actually on Mayak's website. So um, if, I don't know by heart, if you Google Mayak, Minnesota, it has its own page underneath our website and you can download the, the full report with all the appendices, all 554 pages if you want it, um, or you can download the, the executive summary and other materials. Well, uh, uh, and Adriana, Misty, Pinigigi for being on. Uh, this was an unbelievable show and emotional for me to hear the great work that you guys are doing and our future looks bright. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you are part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office, vote. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now.